Thank you so much, Laura. A beautiful invitation of the Spirit of the Lord to rest upon our hearts. And my brothers and I welcome you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's always a blessing to meet together as the body of Christ. Um, about a month ago, I was up at my mom's in Woodbine, and we decided to have a sale, and we um, had the garage full, packed full of things that were fair game. And we got up real early and put everything as much as possible out on the driveway and, and tried to attract some customers. And um, our very first customer came, and he went right to the fishing gear. Um, he pulled out this tackle box and started thumbing through it and made us an offer. And uh, all the kids that were there kind of gathered and huddled around, and we, we were saying things like, Oh, Dad really loved that lure. Oh, this was the one that he used all the time. And we started pulling things out. Well, these aren't for sale. <laughs> and um, the very first thing, and I don't know what we'll do with those lures, but they reminded us of our loved one. You know, we thought we sold a lot that day, and um, at the end of the day, we put everything that didn't sell back in the garage, and the garage was still full. We have a hard time of letting go of things. I think we're all, I'll speak for myself, we like to collect things. And um, God teaches us just the opposite, to not um, attach our hearts to the things of this world. So my question to you this morning is, where is your heart? And the call to worship is from a couple different passages. First one is in third book of Nephi. Chapter 5, beginning with verse 112. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And in the 10th chapter of the book of Moroni, verse 29, Yea, come unto Christ, and be perfected in Him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your heart, with all your might, mind, and strength, then is His grace sufficient for you, that by His grace ye may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, 
ye can in no wise deny the power of God. Our desire is that we, as a body of Christ, come unto Him this morning and to place your heart on Him. And now we will sing hymn number 13. Hymn number 13. Most Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning giving thanks for the uh, beautiful day that you provided us. Thank you for allowing us to uh, gather together as a church family uh, here in your house of worship. We just ask, Lord, that you uh, loose uh, Steve's tongue with the words that uh, you have placed on his heart and um, help us all to uh, uh, have our have our. Uh, hearts open to those words as well. And Lord, we are so grateful to be here and we uh, look forward to uh, your spirit being with us um, and your blanket of comfort being wrapped around us as well. And we say these things in Jesus Christ's most heavenly name. Amen. I looked uh, for something to say this morning, and I looked in the deacon's manual of uh, the church, 
And I thought it would tell me something, you know, to give some temporal uh, aspect of what we do. And what it said was that uh, the Lord does not give any temporal commandments. He gave us uh, commandments to do with our temporal things to show our spiritual uh, preparedness, to show how we are going to respond spiritually to the commandments of the Lord. So uh, what we give today and what we give and do in our life all reflect our response to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the many blessings, and we would ask that uh, that which we give today will go to the things that you would have us directed to do, the things that would uh, bring about the kingdom of God. We ask these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is uh, not a very lengthy scripture reading, but a very powerful and potent scripture reading. And we'll ask the Lord to bring a blessing upon the reading of this word. Quench not the Spirit.
Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Mark. You know, the ministry of music plays such a key role in the spoken word. We want to hear his slightest whisper, as we've just heard. I want to thank all of you who knew we didn't put it on the prayer chain, but my better half has been diagnosed with pneumonia and bronchitis on the same day this past week. But the Lord is good to us, isn't he? He blesses us. He hears our prayers. And if we listen to the still small voice, he'll provide as we were getting ready to basically walk out the door to go to the hospital, there perhaps was a slight whisper that said no. And that was all we needed. You know, when Paul talks uh, to the Thessalonians here in the fifth chapter, he says, rejoice evermore. We have to rejoice of these many marvelous blessings that he's given us, brothers and sisters. And right after that, he says, Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And to me, the most important scripture that he can say to those men Quench not the spirit. We can quench the spirit knowingly and unknowingly, as you, as you know. But that spirit, brothers and sisters, is a spark. It's a spark of sacred fire, if you will. Webster says uh, to quench is to put out the light or the fire. We can do that. We can do that. And a lot of times not know that we're doing it. We can quench the spirit. I'm reminded, as I was sitting here, about the men who saw the brass plates, the sword of Laban, on a table prepared for them. And they were praying and so forth. And and, uh, they wanted to observe and to see this thing that the Lord presented to these men. And Martin Harris, as you recall, took it upon himself to remove himself and go to a different place. Why? Because at that time, he thought he was quenching the spirit. And I submit to you, that's exactly what happened. He was quenching the spirit. Later on, he saw everything, didn't he? The Lord blesses us as we acknowledge our weakness and our nothingness before him. Section 90 says, Every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation, for man is spirit. The spirit and the body are the soul of man. Section 85 tells us. And this spirit which comes to us at certain times can leave at certain times. It may not ever appear in any given length of time. But you see, it's how we react to it 
that the Lord blesses us when he discharges that spirit. Because, you see, here's the agency of man and the condemnation of man. He knows, he knows whether you're going to receive instruction from him. He knows. But he lets you have that chance anyway. Because it's your agency, you see. I have a, a book in one of my libraries, the closest library to me, so I can just grab a book. And it's called Question Time. It's a good book. And Brother Davies tries to answer all these questions that the saints sent in to the church historian. And uh, in 1967, which is the latest one, that's quite a few years ago, there's this question from one of the saints. Are our sins forgiven each time we properly repent? If not, what is the value of repentance? Now, I've said from this pulpit before that uh, there is a misnomer in the church that we come to the sacrament table to partake of the broken body and spilt blood of the Savior. That we come thinking that we're going to have our sins forgiven us. That's not the purpose. That's the misnomer that's been in our church for many, many years. You may be forgiven. Very much so. If that's your quest. And if you try to not quench the spirit, while we're on that subject, when we come to uh, that table that I spoke about, we have to come in the deepest reverence that we can possibly muster that the Lord will bless his people. You know, the Lord told uh, Dr. William McClellan in section 64, I believe it is, 66. He said, I, the Lord, will show you. He said, I will show you your sins. Now, mine would be a long, lengthy list of sins, but he'll show these things that we're doing wrong. Brothers and sisters, he'll show us if we ask him with the proper, with the proper respect. The Lord has given us uh, all of these uh, scriptures, as you know, and what, what a marvelous thing it is that we have these scriptures. If you have your scriptures with you. Look at Alma chapter 14, and you recall this as I begin to read here and, and just share just for a moment with you these things. And now behold, I'm reading from 33, my brethren, since it has been all that we could do as we were the most lost of all mankind to repent of all our sins and the many murders which we have committed and to get God to take them away from our hearts, for it was all we could do to repent sufficiently 
before God, that he would take away our stains. Now, my best beloved brethren, don't you love that? My best, my best beloved brethren and sister. That's, that's you all. Since God has taken away our stains and our swords have become bright, then let us stain our swords no more with the blood of our brethren. Behold, I say unto you, nay, let us retain our swords that they be not stained with the blood of our brethren. For perhaps if we should stain our swords again, they can no more be washed bright through the blood of the Son of, great God, of the great God shall be shed for the, atone, for the atonement of our sins. And the great God has had mercy on us and made these things known unto us that we might not perish. You see, your former sins can return to you. The Lord said in Latter-day Revelation, our former sins can return, but when he says you are forgiven, nevertheless go thy way and sin no more. This is what he's saying, that your former sins will return, you see. Don't let that happen. When we're forgiven, and we know we're forgiven, let's keep it that way. You'll read that and you'll understand that as you hear the prayers over the emblems. From month to month, we had a um, tradition, I guess, in our family for many years. All of us, my, me and my three brothers and my sister, each year at Christmas time, it was somebody's turn to bring the message of, of hope and inspiration, etc. Before we began uh, opening presents and having a meal and so forth. And uh, came time for me one year, and I just felt like we need to talk about our sins and how they stain our lives. My mother had a casserole dish of sterling silver, most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I've shared this with you before. It's pretty good size. And I took it upon myself to clean that casserole dish of the weeks prior to the Christmas Eve. And I would shine and polish that casserole dish. And boy, did it shine. It was marvelous. And it was so beautiful. But the other half was just as black as sin. It came time to uh, share that with the family. And I used that example to say that uh, this casserole dish is basically the way it is with our lives. We have to polish it, take care of it every day of our life, don't we? To cleanse it, to clean it. And so I proceeded to clean the other half as I was talking and reading scripture. And when I finished cleaning that other half, it was not anything like the clean, shiny, beautiful half that I had been working on for several days, weeks, frankly. And so it is, brothers and sisters, in our lives that we have to clean 
our lives every day. All that other half was okay. It looked okay. But it was nothing, as I say, like the other half. So shiny and bright. And we need to polish those things. And you know, brothers and sisters, that polish is the Word of God. You see, we have to treasure up the Word of God every day of our lives so that we can come clean before Him. And section 85 is it that tells us that purify your your hearts, cleanse your souls that I may make you clean. And remember, he's the only one, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, he's the only one that can actually clean us. Yes, we can wash our hands, we can cleanse ourselves, have clean clothes on, but the Lord is the only one that can clean our heart from the inside, you see from that atonement which he has made for you and for me. So the value of repentance is to replace sin with something good. Brother Davies went on to uh, give this particular member an answer, and it was a good answer. But actually there was more. There's more to it. We have to replace those sins once we've been forgiven and we know we've been forgiven. Forgiven. We have to replace those sins for something good. You know, the Lord said that in that reading that Tony was referring to this morning that we have to be clean. And we have to be clean every whit, don't you see? And the Lord said in that pamphlet, Who is wise shall learn my secret. I'm not wise, but I know the secret. And that secret, brothers and sisters, is to return good for ill. If someone does something bad to you, poorly to you, you feel like they shouldn't have done Return, return good for that. And that is when the Lord will bless you. You know that secret better than I do. When you know that somebody has wronged you, return something good for them, to them. Why? Because the Lord said, then you'll be called the children of God. Restitution, Webster says, is payment for damage. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the best example I can think of for that. He returned himself for the damage in which mankind has done unto him, you see. He went willingly before those men. There he was on a cross, nails driven in his hands and his feet for you and for me. What a glorious God we have, brothers and sisters, that he would send down his son to do that, knowing that his son would go willingly 
for you, that you may be cleansed perfectly. As we mentioned this morning at the 930 service in King Benjamin's speech to all the people, and there were quite a few, as you recall, And finally, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin. For there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. But this much I can tell you, that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe to keep the commandments of God and continue in the faith, of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O man, remember, and perish not. You know, we have not really, well, I shouldn't say we, I have not studied like I need that second chapter of Mosiah like I should. King Benjamin this time says, And humble yourselves even to the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, and standing steadfast in the faith of that which is to come, which was spoken by the mouth of the angel. And behold, I say unto you that if ye do this, ye shall always rejoice And be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. That's how we can cleanse ourselves daily. And you shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you. Or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. You see, It's our thoughts that instigate what we do, isn't it, brothers and sisters? So we have to check ourselves. And Alma said to one of his sons, cross yourselves in these things. We can cross ourselves in these things that we do that may offend someone else. And it does offend someone else. If you have your Bible with you, if you have uh, your Bible, look at Matthew, the fifth chapter. Just for a moment, and I won't keep you much longer here. You need to get home. Let's look at chapter 5. And let's think about these Things as we testify for our Lord Jesus. He said in verse 3, Blessed are they who shall believe on me, and again more blessed are they who shall believe on your words. When ye shall testify that ye have seen me, and that I am. You see, that's a testimony, brothers and sisters. You're talking about the words when when, when uh, um, King Benjamin here said uh, that we have to watch ourselves in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. We have to watch ourselves in our words. So when it comes time to testify, 
about the love of God and so forth. It's really not a, a testimony shouldn't be a, a minute-by-minute account of what happened to you that day or a week before or a year or two before or ten years. You don't have to give a, an account of something just of your actions that day. Just share that which the Lord wants you to share as a result of that testimony. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. I've seen it happen over and over again. Look at verse 5. Yea, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The King James Version does not say, it does not say, who come unto me. It just says, yea, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, you have to be you have to be pure in your heart, and you have to come unto the Lord that He can that He can bless you, brothers and sisters. I think a, a good example of that is in uh, section ten, and I'll be very brief here. Let's look at section ten just for a moment, and we'll look at. Uh, Six and seven. And now, verily, verily, I say unto thee, put thy trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my spirit, which shall enlighten your mind, which shall fill your soul with joy. And then shall you know, or by this shall you know, all things whatsoever you desire of me, which is pertaining into things of righteousness, in faith believing in me that you shall receive. We have to observe these covenants and these ordinances, brothers and sisters, as though there's something to protect, because they are. Something to protect. And we have to do that. We have to lift the warning voice, you see. Tony was referring to this pamphlet that I have here this morning. He who foresees the approach of evil or its consequences upon his fellows and fails to give timely warning thereof is an unfaithful watchman and must share as he deserves the distress of his vision. So you see, if we've been given something that we feel like the Lord wanted us to know, we have to be very careful with it. Very careful. And then share it as a testimony. Your valley of decision is today. We talked a little bit about our valley of decision this morning in class. There's about seven things I've checked here that uh, is interesting that we've talked about in class this morning. (laughs) That's the Lord for you. Your uh, 
valley of decision is today, and especially you young people, have you entered into that valley? Are you going to choose this day whom ye will serve for the rest of your lives? This God has made these things for you and for me that we can understand these things. And Ecclesiastes, the preacher, said, In all thy getting, get understanding. And that's what we have to do. And these things, these laws, these ordinances that we have deserve to be protected, you see. If we don't do it, who will, you see? And he said in that pamphlet through Brother Joseph Luff, if unto one belongs the right to lessen the sacredness of any of my institution, institutions with an S, then belongs it also unto another to pervert the purposes of my law as his inclination or ambitions may lead. For if ye consent that the soil be corrupted to grow the wheat of your selection, then be not surprised if the thistle and thorn of your discomfort shall later appear. You see, these ordinances are stated and it's for us to observe because he doesn't live to magnify what we say here. But he lives to unfold his own purposes, you see. What a blessed God we have. These past few days have been interesting to me, to say the least, wherein uh, the Lord's been close. And why is that? Because I've tried to get close to him. And if we're not close, whose fault is it? Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you, he said. Know ye not that the field is mine, God said, and the seed given for your sowing is from heaven? If therefore ye desire God's kingdom as it is in heaven, among you plant only the seed wherein alone the desired fruit is found. If ye desire a celestial harvest, purge yourselves of terrestrial longings and set your affections on things above. You know that veil is so thin between this life and the next. That veil is so thin, brothers and sisters, that God himself said, I stand within thy view, yet undiscerned. You never know. You never know. But he's watching. Believe me, he's watching. And his angels are recording. Believe me, his angels are recording. The things that we do. And the things that we don't do. The policies and assumptions against which you proclaim shall not prevail, for I am jealous of my law, 
And whom I shall permit to occupy must minister as a servant, even as did your Lord. For I alone am supreme, and if my people shall be agreed in holding my word and ordinances in honor, and shall keep themselves pure before me, and preserve my tabernacles in the holiness unto which they have by formality dedicated them, ye shall see the salvation of God, and that speedily. You know, we talked about this in class and last week, also in class, that the Lord can change things in an instant. He can. He has. But he cannot do that if he has a people that are flailing spiritually, if you will. We, brothers and sisters, have to be on our toes right now, more than ever. A famine is coming. The long, fertile field will mock at man's labor refusing to yield. This is for today. The earthquakes increasing shall sport as they reel with towers of granite and strongholds of steel. The twin towers of granite happened 21 years ago or whenever. All I can tell you, brothers and sisters, is is that we really have to watch ourselves in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds, and observe to keep the commandments that he's already given us. I'm just preaching to the choir. You all know this. You know it. But it's okay to be reminded once in a while. May God bless you in your endeavors to listen to the still, small voice and quench not the Spirit.
Almighty God. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we thank you. And we praise you, O God, for the words which you have brought to us this day. From our morning worship, to our classes, to the spoken word. And Lord, we are so grateful for your laws, for your covenants, for your commandments. For we know, Lord, that therein is life. And we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for his life and his sacrifice on our behalf. And we wish to praise you, O God, for your mercy, for your grace, and for salvation which awaits those who come unto you with full purpose of heart and give their lives to you and enter into that covenant. And Lord, I would petition thee now on behalf of this thy people, and I would ask a blessing upon them, that as they enter into the missionary field, Lord, and as they go from this place, that we might remember these words, that they might sink deep within our souls, that we might remember them, that we might feast upon them, that we would have remembrance of your laws, your commandments, and those covenants which you have made with uh, mankind all throughout time. And Lord, that we might remember the glorious promise that is ours, that Zion will come and Zion will be redeemed, and that the great city will come, and that those who have repented sufficiently will enter in and may have rest. Lord, words fall so far short to thank you for that which you have done for us. And I would ask that you would bless this people that we might go forth and not lower our standard, but lift it high, the standard of your gospel. Lord, we thank you so much, and I would ask this blessing upon this people now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.